A quick warning, this podcast is intended for the grown and sexy as it contains strong language and sexual references. Listener discretion is advised. Private Affairs came about actually from a story from the blog. Is it different with the white guy? It was actually sort of like a mini series in the blog about a uh, particular person I had met. Uh, Is it okay if... Cool if I touch your hair. The Everyday People Show is a podcast of the AMBC, African Masters Broadcasting Center. I was born in Zimbabwe. In Harare, I grew up there until I was about 19. It was a pretty good existence. Some of the things that I fondly remember from my childhood include climbing the guava tree that we had at home and just like spending a whole afternoon sitting in the tree just eating guavas, which is such a luxury now that I think about it. Just the amount of freedom I felt that I had to just exist as a child and playing outside, playing with the mud until whatever time of the day. It's quite different to how I see kids growing up here. I played a lot of sports in high school, so I played soccer. I also did a little bit of track, mainly sprints, but my main sport was field hockey. I loved field hockey. There was actually a point in time when I would tell people, I just go to school so that I can play field hockey. I actually started playing field hockey when I was nine years old. My older brother would just play with me sometimes in the backyard. Like he was sort of like my my coach in that way because I picked up a lot of skills that way, which really accelerated my growth as a player compared to my peers who didn't have an older brother to play field hockey with. I was really into field hockey. Basically any type of hockey was my thing. I played for club as well, provincial and national teams. In terms of growing up, my parents were very strict, eh? Like, talking about boys, boys what? (laughs) We were not allowed to have, like, we as in the girls in the family, we were not allowed to have friends who were boys. For what? For why? Even, like, going out, you can only go out in the afternoon. If you went out at night, your curfew was, like, 9 p.m., which is when the party starts, basically. We always knew that we were in trouble when my mom would say, Waskada! (laughs) Which means girls. It it means something is wrong. Where are the girls? I don't know why. My brother was never included in the equation. So it was always, Waskada! (laughs) And then you just have to report to the the quarters and know that you're in trouble uh, for something. Or you didn't do something... um, quite as well as you should have if it's cleaning oh yeah my mom loved the phrase it must be sparkling 
sparkling. <laughs> Even though I thought it was sparkling, it was not sparkling to her standards. Another one of my mom's phrases is integrity. You must have integrity. <laughs> my dad was a chartered accountant. He still is a chartered accountant and a business owner. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So we were under the eagle's eye the whole time. <laughs> I did have a secret boyfriend in high school. Well, I thought he was a secret boyfriend. Later on, I discovered that my mom knew about it, but she never said anything to me about it. I guess it's sort of avoidance tactics in a way. But I do know that my boyfriend then, he was very afraid of my dad. I think he tried calling me the one time when it was, you know, the days of landlines and no mobile phones. And my dad picked up and he was just like, I'm never phoning you again <laughs> because my dad was like, why do you want to speak to my daughter? I think when I compare notes with some of my female friends growing up, it was quite similar, I suppose. I think there are real dangers of like teen pregnancy and all those types of things that happen, which they were trying to avoid at all costs. High school, I was very into sports. I played for my country, which was such a great opportunity because I got to travel to different countries and played in different tournaments. And because I was playing at such a high level, I was able to get a scholarship to the United States where I went for university. had this very rosy perception of America. You know, what you see in some of those sitcoms like Family Matters, uh, Fresh Prince of Ballet, Saved by the Bell, like I just thought it was going to be amazing party vibes. And for a while, it was that, to be honest. My freshman year, it was definitely the honeymoon phase. And I was like, this place is amazing. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to go back home for summer break. I just wanted to continue to just be free and live the American dream. The cultural shocks that I experienced in America was people saying hello, which sounds like a very basic thing, but in America, it's very common to just, you know, walk by someone and not say a word to them. Uh, whereas in Zimbabwe, it was the culture there that even if it's a stranger, you're passing on the road, you, you know, you say like, oh, maskati or maswera say, like you greet each other as you're passing each other as a way of showing politeness. Other things that surprised me about America was the food. <laughs> so I, again, like I had thought, oh, yes, this is going to be amazing pizza. Like, <laughs> you know, I was going to eat all those types of foods that I wanted to eat, like junk food and everything. And I did that, but it just, it did not taste good. Uh, the beef, like coming from Zimbabwe, very lucky to come from a place with amazing quality of beef. 
where you don't have to do anything or even chicken or just you know in terms of fruits and vegetables the flavor of the foods are a lot more prominent than what you get in America like i remember having chicken for the first time in America and it just tasted like cardboard to me there were just so many strange things to me like the cheese that was orange like a bright orange and i just could not understand how cheese could be that color culturally as well i also found that americans are very quick to be open with you about very personal things which was not where i was coming from you kind of had to earn that right to get to know someone i would also say in terms of being a professional the way you kind of have to market yourself you have to broadcast your accomplishments to be noticed and to be appreciated i learned that lesson when i was at school and there was another girl who is she was up there as well in terms of academics and we were speaking to one of the donors of the university and he was asking us what we do and being zimbabwean we're taught to be humble about our accomplishments so i kind of downplayed mine but then when she started speaking she was going off on like all the things that she had done all the languages that she speaks and i just remember feeling so much like oh i need to learn how to compete better because you know in zimbabwe our culture like if you do something good or something happens that's great people say oh makorokoto congratulations and the expected response is adedu tose which means it's all our congratulations it's all our achievement so there's a sharing of achievements whereas in america you have to be like no i'm the one who did this i'm a bad bitch i'm the baddest <laughs> For me being a black African in America was it was actually a positive to be honest. There were certainly some people who had a lot of misconceptions about Africa or the things about like oh war poverty all of that kind of stuff but I think generally because of the spaces that I was in being higher education and at a very good school me being african was generally met with this assumption that i was exceptional in some way like highly educated like very intelligent or or something there had to be something to me and that, you know that explained how i got here while i think that's not a great thing in the sense that it brings about this question of like exceptionalism like okay yeah you're black but you're exceptional which i don't really think is uh, useful or great but you know to be honest it was an advantage as well as uh, i would say my accent because a lot of people would confuse my accent and i know my accent now is very corrupted it's got a mixture of all kinds But back then people really confused me as you know being british and i think there is something in america about a british accent and people liking british accents and automatically assuming that someone with a british accent is is smart 
And I happen to be smart, but it wasn't because of an accent or whatever the case is. But I do think that being Black African, unfortunately, that that is in a way perceived better than being African-American. I pretty much grew up into an adult in America, in Connecticut and Boston. And then I decided to move over to Melbourne to be closer to family here. Coming to Australia, I think because I'd been broken in in America, I think coming to Australia, it wasn't as big of a shock. I just think that Australia is compared to the US, like professionally, people are more laid back. So things like taking vacation, you can take vacation and not expect to hear from your boss while you're on vacation. Not always the case in the US. Uh, People respect that, you know, when you clock off from work, you're off work. So there are things like that. People here have hobbies. That was one of the questions that people uh, would always ask me when I moved here. They're like, what are your hobbies? I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) In America, we don't have hobbies. We have work, you know. I think racism in Australia and America are quite similar in that it's a very insidious type of racism that exists here in Australia and systemic as well. The difference is in Australia, we don't really talk about it openly. Well, I don't see as much conversation about racism in Australia compared to America. I think the type of racism in America is is in your face and it's it's very easy well i found it very easy to quickly identify okay this person is being racist or whatever here in australia it's a lot more microaggressions and there's a lot more i feel a lot more gaslighting so we'd be like no 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 what do you mean that wasn't i wasn't being racist maybe they don't intend on being racist but there is very much an issue of racism here, which I think in Australia, we just tend to ignore. And we say, no, racism, that's an American problem. Whereas when you speak to people of color here, it's very evident that there is an issue. And if you just look at objectively, the people who are in positions of power, you have to ask the question, why is it so monochrome? I started writing back in 2014 with a blog, which was really started because I was looking for a creative outlet. So back then, I'd been reading a lot of books. I had bought a Kindle just a few years before then, and I'd been doing a lot more reading than I had been previously. Then I was going through a phase where I was reading books by women. So I was reading Tina Fey's book, Bossy Pants, as well as uh, Amy Poehler's book, Mindy Kalin's book, a whole lot of people I was reading. And I had just finished reading Americana 
by the Nigerian author Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Oh, I fell in love with that book because it was me. Like I could really relate to the protagonist. And uh, this was really my first time reading a book where I really felt like for a second, I was like, damn, Chimamanda, like, are you dragging me? <laughs> like, how do you know my thoughts? And if you read that book, you know that the protagonist, Ifemelu, had a blog uh, that she started. So that was sort of the inception, the idea of starting a blog. And so I decided, you know what, I need to, to write about something. What am I going to write about? And I hadn't really explored Melbourne that much. I was single. So I was like, hey, you know, let's put the two together. Let me explore Melbourne and go on dates and write about that. So I started blogging about my dating experiences, which really led me down the path of doing a lot of critical analysis about society and culture and perceptions and gender and a lot of topics. But I got to a point where I felt like my writing was good enough to pitch to a magazine. So I pitched an article idea to Madame Noir which is a blog scene in the States. And the editor, she liked it. And so I started writing for them as a weekly contributor. I did that for about, about a year. We met at a bar. I'm Veronica, V for short. Hey, it's nice to meet you, V. Nice to meet you too, Luke. We just kept coming back to each other. How about I buy you a drink? Like there was some kind of force pulling us together. Private Affairs came about actually from a story from the blog. It was actually sort of like a mini series in the blog about a a particular person I had met. And for some reason, even though that situation happened several years ago, it just, it never left me. It, It was actually my sister who suggested that I turn the blog into a podcast. And I remember when she said that, I was like, "Uh, boo, who wants to listen to that? But for some reason, I was like, okay, let me test it out. Let me see what happens if I record like a very rough pilot of an episode one and see if it's actually interesting. So I did that. I narrated it myself. Initially, I thought it was just going to be almost like an audiobook style thing. But I did that. I added some sound effects. And I was like, you know what? This is actually not bad. Together. So I pitched the idea of this podcast to a number of places, got rejected until eventually I got a grant from the Victorian government, which was enough to make something happen. What up, what up, what up? It took about four weeks for me to find the full cast. It was quite easy for me to decide very quickly who was best for the part or not. I think the advantage of being the writer as well as the director is that you have a very clear and specific idea of what you want. Even within one, two minutes of an audition, I could tell, okay, this person is not right for the part. 
You guys promise to never repeat this to anyone. Worried for that, huh? I was worried about being able to find Zimbabwean actors because I think the script is written in such a way that there are some specificities and nuances that if you come from a Zimbabwean background or uh, let's just say Southern Africa, like Sadek area, you'd be better placed to understand the nuances. And also I like actors to be able to improvise a little bit when they're doing their scenes. It just helped to have people from Zimbabwe um, who can play some of those specificities, cultural specificities in the improvisation. I, I feel like I was really lucky to have found uh, Rati who played V. She did an incredible job as well as Taff. He Oh, so funny. Like he totally nailed like that guy. And Sungi, who was just amazing as well as Mati. And Ron was just oh, such a charmer. Like that was one of the number one comments from the ladies. Oh, this Luke guy, he sounds hot. So <laughs> uh, that was definitely the intention to to bring that through when you only have audio and you don't have the visuals to go by. This is Luke, guys. Everyone ready? Cheers! Cheers. So what happened to Nomsa? Mm -hmm. Nomsa's a homie. Yeah, yeah. Serious. The feedback from the podcast has been really positive. It's been uh, such a joy just reading the reviews as well as the DMs. You know, the DMs have been lit. People have really been sending me some awesome messages. Uh, I think what's been most touching is people who've taken time to either send me voice notes or have typed up like really lengthy reviews on each episode with like points on everything. Like it's really rewarding to know that it's hitting the way it's supposed to be hitting and that people are thinking about some of the topics that are raised from the podcast in the way that I was hoping that it would spark conversation. So that's been the most rewarding. It's also really great hearing from Black women who say that, you know, they can 100% relate to it. And it's just really cool to have that representation in this medium. Is it different with the white guy? Mati! I want to know, Kat. Is it different? I'm very much open to the idea of adapting the podcast into a film or television series. In fact, a lot of listeners have said they would really like that. I to call me, man, tough bomber, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't flow at all. Nobody calls you that. So this is Luke, guys. My name is Christine DJ Kicks Mwaturura. I am Zimbabwean. I am a writer, audio producer, and radio DJ. I'm currently based in Melbourne, Australia, and this is my everyday story. We met at a bar. I'm Veronica, V for short. Hey, it's nice to meet you, V. Nice to meet you too, Luke. We just kept coming back to each other. How about I buy you a drink? Like, there was some kind of force pulling us together. Is it different with the white guy? Mati! I want to know, Kat. Is it different? <laughs> hey. hmm? uh, is it okay if... Cool if I touch your hair? 
what up, what up, what up? Hey. hey. You know what they call me, man? Tough bomber, baby. Ah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't flow uh, at all. No, I hate that. Hate Nobody that. Hey. calls you that. So this is Luke, guys. Everyone ready? Cheers. 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 So what happened to Nomsa? Nomsa's a homie. Serious. I'm really glad I met you. Eggplant emoji. A wap. Peach emoji. Man, something weird happened.